It's time for Security Now. Steve Gibson is here, and it's just a potpourri of security news. There's so much to talk about, including uh, a new, amazingly well-coded malware. <laughs> That's bad news. <laughs> Stay tuned. Security Now is next. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Audio bandwidth for security now is provided by the new Winamp for Android, featuring wireless sync and one-click iTunes import. Now with free daily music downloads and full-length CD listening parties. Download it for free at winamp.com slash Android. Bandwidth for security now is provided by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 427, recorded October 23rd, 2013. A newsy week. Security Now is brought to you by Audible.com. To download a free audiobook of your choice, visit audiblepodcast.com slash security now. And by Carbonite. Whether you have one computer at home or several in your small business, Carbonite backs up your files to the cloud automatically and continually. Plus, access your files anytime, anywhere with their free app. Start your free trial at Carbonite.com. No credit card required. Use the offer code SECURITYNOW to get two bonus months with purchase. And by ProXPN. ProXPN is a virtual private network that allows you to use the Internet the way you want to, anonymously and without oversight. For 20% off on your new account, go to ProXPN.com slash twit and use the offer code SN20. It's time for Security Now, the show that protects you and your loved ones, your privacy, your security online. I mean, this is the show that uh, continues to grow because uh, there's never been more interest in all of this. Steve Gibson is our explainer-in-chief, the king of security now for the last 427 episodes. And uh, wow. he's back again. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and we thought when so, we started there wouldn't be enough to talk about. Uh, yes. And that, that was my concern when you right. proposed a weekly, you know, it was going to be a weekly half hour uh, rather than, you know, what it's become is often 100 plus yeah. minutes yeah. per week. Well, you're in a, so you're much... in, you have the luck uh, of being in a booming business. <laughs> well, and as we have seen, I mean, looking at back over the, the history of the podcast, since I love technology, security is sort of the hub. Yeah. But then we've gone off and like covered exactly how the Internet works. What is, you know, packets and routing and, and all of that. So but it's all been stuff a, you need a, to know, really, I think, to uh, understand these topics. Exactly. So it's it's all of that rich background that uh, you know, cre yeah. creates a good knowledge base. Yeah. Today, there's just been there was so much that happened this past week, and and so we're technically a Q and A, but I decided not to do the Q and A format because instead the the content is by by popular request of our listeners. I want to chat with you a little bit about yesterday's Apple announcements. Uh, we got there's John McAfee is back in the news, believe it or not. Uh, Google has His 15 called, minutes aren't up. God, um, you almost got a lot more. But then the government shutdown preempted uh, him. Uh. Um, Google has something called Project Shield offering DDoS protection. Uh, another casualty at the NSA. Uh, everyone's been asking for me to look into crypto locker malware. I've already warned Jenny about it because this would be really bad, although she's using Carbonite. So, and I did check recently that it was like, you know, all lit up and working for her. So that would be good. Um, 
There's a Flash virtual machine in JavaScript. Uh, some news in the a lot of news actually in the instant messenger category. Hemless BlackBerry and Threema. Uh, some U.S. Patent Office news about the so-called Steve Jobs patent, and believe it or not, even a bunch of miscellaneous stuff. So wow. tons of stuff to talk wow. about this. And so we're just got that, that's what we're going to do for the next however long. Well, if you don't mind, then maybe we'll do uh, our first commercial break uh, up front, and uh, and uh, that way we can uh, proceed on. Yeah. Uh, with uh, more of a uh, a little potpourri of technology information. Our show today brought to you by. Audible.com. You mentioned uh, before the show began how excited you were. Your calendar is open for Friday night because you want to see Ender's Game. Oh, next Friday, yes. Next Friday. A week and from. I, I'm yeah. excited too, of course. Um, and I, my son is really excited. But all three of us have something in common. We've read the darn book. And, Re- and I, in my case, even recently. Yeah. Because Reread you know, it. I, I wanted to yes. reread it. One of the great science fiction books of all time, but it's got uh, it's it's got a remarkable twist, and you don't really want to have that spoiled yep. for you. At least not by the movie. Have it spoiled in the book. <laughs> I'm I just I don't know, maybe the movie will be the better experience, but I generally speaking, I find books the best experience. Read the original and a great yeah. way to do that right now, get it on Audible. You have just enough time. To listen, and I'm going to get it for you free. If you go to audiblepodcast.com slash security now, you can sign up for the gold account. That's the book a month account. And uh, your first book, your first month is free. Your first book is free. Uh, cancel in the first 30 days. You'll pay nothing. But you do get to keep the book. And I just want to, there are several versions of Ender's Game now on here, and I have them all. There's a 20th anniversary edition, uh, This the entire text, and that's certainly good. But they've done something interesting. With the help of Orson Scott Card, they've done a, what they call a full cast recording. Uh, in effect, it's an audio play, a long one, seven and a half hour audio play, with a full cast, some great voice actors, um, including Harlan Ellison's in this, Samantha uh, Egger, Theodore Bikel. Um I just, I can't wait to hear this. And a, f- a full original score by John Rubenstein. Uh, Janice Ian wrote Valentine's theme. This is going to be... I just downloaded this. So uh, probably if I were you, I would get the text of Ender's Game, the 20th anniversary edition, as your first book. But you could also get this. Cutting off engines. Fuel for maneuver and descent. I love radio theater. Still full of vitamins. I think this would be so Mm -hmm. awesome. So I am a guy who says, uh, Dry Dave says, always read the book after the movie. The book always spoils the movie. No, I feel the other way around. If if this, especially with this book, uh, I would do yourself a favor. And I told uh, Henry that I said, I'm glad you read the book before you, uh, you you go see the movie. Ender's Game, the 20th anniversary edition, uh, narrated by Stefan Rudnicki, is really it's good. Highly recommend it. And you can actually, one of the things about Audible that's great, they're owned by Amazon. So they have this whisper think, sync thing. You can get the Kindle edition at a reduced price and pick up where you left off. So you're listening, but you can also look on the read on the Kindle, pick up in the audio, and go back and forth. If you uh, have uh, a, a Kindle Fire, as you listen, it will show the book because the Fire can play back the audio, and then it will show where you are in the book, which is great for young readers. It's a great way to kind of for them to read along. They have all the uh, Orson Scott Card novels, a great selection of science fiction, all from the Audible Frontiers. I just think Audible's fabulous. I want you to try it today. 
That's why we got that free book for you. Audiblepodcast.com slash security now. Try it today. And this would be a great time to get Ender's Game before the movie spoils it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you agree? I mean, I think reading the book is, uh, is really the best way. Uh, I know, for example, that that I will never forget the Michael Crichton books. Jurassic Park, the book is so much better than the movie. I, I mean, think your mind the- is better, more capable of making a brilliant movie set than any, any computer-generated graphics ever. Your mind well, is and- the most amazing thing. And also, you cannot convey as much content. Right. I think it's a matter of, of a movie of, of right. content. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing how, what has to get left out of a movie in order to 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 present it in that period of time compared to a book where you just. I mean, if you if you love detail, if you love you know, if you relish the richness, then that you're only going to find that in the book. Yeah, yeah. Here's one you don't want to get. How Dogs Love Us, The Neuroscience of the Dog Mind. <laughs> maybe you should for your... Uh, how's that portable uh, dog uh, beacon doing? <laughs> you know, there's a, I, I'm awakened on the weekends uh, by something called animal radio. And they're like, it's like, you know, sort of the weird content that they my radio station, uh, right, 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 The right. Wave, 94.7 The Wave down in L.A. plays in the wee hours because I'm, you know, the, my, I'm being awakened at 530 to, to head off for breakfast at six. And and they've got the most interesting topics. And and actually, the most recent one was was dogs that it was sort of sad dogs that wind up in kennels because because boyfriends are jealous of their girlfriend's dogs. And I thought, that's just really, you know, like, dump the boyfriend. Don't dump your dog. It seems like, you know, the wrong, the wrong choice. I agree. They just, they, they, you, you know, boyfriends are like buses. Another one's going to come along every few minutes. But a great dog, that's a once-in-a-lifetime. Keep that dog. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of discussion of dog psychology, how they're pack animals and the mistake so many people make is in not asserting right. their yeah. dominance the over the dog yeah yes and, and all kinds of things like you know don't get all excited and and, and run around when, when when you return home because then that puts the dog in control of right. you right just sort of ignore the dog and i mean right. little all kinds of it's t- weird anyway, it's so. counterintuitive but it but yeah if yes. you remember it's a pack animal and that you're the alpha uh, mm-hmm. and the dog wants you to be the alpha Yep. Uh, yeah. Lisa's really good at that. <laughs> Ozzy is like in love with Lisa. She he is completely no longer my dog. <laughs> I bring him to work. He runs to Lisa's office and he visibly saddens if she's not there. Wow. He's like it's it's really interesting to watch. And I'm just a the little big, bit the, the big pointy ears droop. <laughs> they do. Um. <laughs> anyway. Well, and you may realize, Leo, you're probably in the same category as Ozzy. Yeah, I am. <laughs> That's yeah. he probably senses that we're both now second yep. second fiddle to the alpha dog. <laughs> All right. Let's. Uh, do you want to talk about so, Apple's thing? Well, I'm just curious briefly, what your take is. You're an iPad I've, owner and user. Oh, Leo, I use my pad more than any other yeah. electronic device I own. Yeah, I you're mean, not alone. I think that's very common. It is. It is my device. It yeah. is, you know, I just I take it with me every morning. I do reading and research and I'm I mean, I'm I love it. Yeah. And so for me, the question is, I mean, yes, I will get the new device 
The question is, which is it? I was I was interested yesterday to hear you talking about that you really like your mini, and yes. I think I do too, because because maybe then it's a little more easy to always have it with you. Right. On the other hand, the phone. I, I'm I remember that I've traditionally been a BlackBerry user, and I am I do I got my 5s last week, and I'm in the process of migrating myself. I need to convert all of my custom sounds over to M4R ringtones so that I can get them into the phone and associate them because I really love having, you know, per contact, um, you know, sounds for, for instant messaging and, um, and, and email. Right. Um, but I, and then I'm going to just swap the numbers. I will exchange the phone numbers between the iPhone and the, and the Blackberry, which is, you know, me being committed and then see how it goes. <laughs> I think you might. I think you might. Uh, it might be painful initially because of the keyboard, but I think you might uh, find you like it, especially since you what like I'm, the I, iPad so much. What I'm finding is that I can't hold it and do the double no. thumb typing, which I no. do on the BlackBerry. It just it doesn't it doesn't set itself up for that kind of double thumb typing. But I, I hold it in one hand and then type with the other, you know, with my first finger of my left hand, and, and that seems to work. Unfortunately, so. I've never been able to type effectively on an iPhone. It's just too small. Yeah. Uh, and once I got to the bigger Android devices, I found I, much more comfort there. Plus, you can change. They have a variety of different keyboard styles, which I find more comfortable. But so, um, uh, so you may the, never really love the keyboard on the iPhone, I guess is my point. Yeah, and I, and I, yeah, and I may just not, you know, type as much. Just don't type as much, yeah. But to have like a, a dictation is quite iPad. good on it, you know, and that's kind of a nice feature. I don't know if you use the dictation Siri no. on the iPad. You know, I dictate a lot of stuff now. Huh. That that saves me that that typing. Hmm. hmm. So, so the new iPads, Apple has a problem in my opinion, which is that the iPad, going back probably almost to the iPad two, is pretty much perfect. Yes. It doesn't. It's hard to do much to improve it. So yes. they've done what they can: thinner, lighter, smaller bezel. Faster processor. Um, well, but- and you, are they obsoleting them? I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to replace my existing one and find somebody who needs it. But are are they broadening the market? I mean, like, what's their? Well, you know, the only it's, way it's not like Microsoft that's always trying to sell us a new OS in order to kill off the old one no, and generate revenue from upgrades. They've updated the uh, OS for all but the oldest iPads uh, to yeah. iOS seven. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Leo, turn going to seven o three and turning off that all that ridiculous animation is so much nicer. You just get people thought I was nuts when I said it. This all this swoopy doopies making me sick. You just get cross cross fades between. Yeah. yeah, it's much nicer. So now faster. The, they had this nice. accessibility switch before to turn off motion, but it only turned it off a little bit. Now right. with iOS seven point zero point three, it turns it off entirely and replaces it with a a, a dissolve. I find that yep. much more appealing. It wasn't a it wasn't a deal breaker, but it's it's thank you Apple. They obviously were not yeah, alone. It's just less. It was just nonsense. It was eyewash. It was unnecessary a waste of cycles. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I turn that off on Android too. I turn all those visual effects like that off. Yep. Um, so I would say that you should try a, a mini now that it has the retina. It's the same resolution yeah. as its big and that's brother. That's what I've been waiting. I've been waiting for. That's more. Well, same pixel resolution, but higher pixel higher, density. Higher PPI. Yeah. Even than the latest iPad. So by a couple. You know. I'll, yeah. 
I'll, I'll get one of each, and yeah. then I'll see which one. Oh, I, I'm still grandfathered. I'm still grandfathered into my original AT and T unlimited bandwidth account. Oh, that's nice. Be careful so, of that. You know they're going to try yes. to take that away from you. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. far, they they haven't, and it's 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 moved between pads very nicely. So there's an interesting yeah. argument. A lot of people say, "Well, look at the Nexus Seven, two hundred twenty nine dollars. Really nice device." And I agree. I have one. Love it. But there's an interesting um, and un kind of unexpected dichotomy between the aspect ratios 16.9 is a little strange compared to 4.3 yeah. and it seems like a small thing but i, I actually think i prefer 4.3 the wide screen is just a little too wide yep so, and, and that fact that's what i felt when i got one was for example the when when you're reading a page it was too tall yeah it's weird it's it a just little weird sort of, yeah, uh, but for pay for reading and for a lot of the things, music scores, things like that, four three is actually a more optimal uh, aspect rate. Un unexpectedly, it's not more optimal for watching movies and TV. But uh, right. so yeah, get, you should have all of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that's why I'm well, in this and business. I do, so I, can I have do everything. love the I love the idea that they may have fixed the like tweaked the full size pad which we're not going to call the maxi pad um no. to like by by pulling down pulling down the borders making it lighter and a little thinner yeah. and and it's like wow that might be just the ticket for yeah. like you know like still so you still get the larger screen but it phys it does feel physically smaller and it is definitely lighter I think I said that yesterday, which is, while yeah. I am a fan of the Mini, they may have yes. made the Air small enough that it yep. accomplishes the same thing. So it, I'm not yeah. going to buy both, but Sarah's going to get the uh, new uh, Air for iPad today, and uh, I'll get the Mini because I like that, and and then I can decide which I want to use well, all the time. And but you know, your for example, this iPad three, third generation, not even the fourth generation, not even the current one, is fine. I don't feel, I, and this is where I, Apple has a problem. I don't feel any yes. urgency to upgrade. Yes, if if it wasn't the device I use all the time, for example, I I have three others, and I'm not going to bother upgrading them because they're just fine. They're Retina, yeah. and they're all I need. Yeah. That's kind of a problem for Apple. Although, and I do really like the ecosystem that you know the iCloud sync now and cross syncing the, the the devices. I'm beginning to to play with that, and and it's nice that you buy an app once and you've got it on all of your various I form agree. factors. I agree. Yeah. Okay, so get a load of this. That we the CNBC was the first person or the first outlet that I saw pick up on this. Um, actually, uh, uh, Rachel Maddow did a hilarious segment on, on this. Her, her opening segment last night was 15 minutes of this, where she did a as Rachel does when she deep does a deep dive, really went into John McAfee's background. <laughs> And and said, you're not going to believe how this ties into Washington. And she kind of held that to the end because prior to the the October 1st shutdown and debt ceiling mess, John McAfee had been selected and chosen what? by the Affordable Care Act Oversight Committee what? to provide them with advice what? on... <laughs> Uh, on the healthcare.gov website. Oh, some operating. moron senator said, you know, they have that McAfee antivirus. Oh. Let's get him. And what's Peter Norton doing today? I think we should ask him, too. Oh, and I mean, Holy and, cow. 
Rachel even reminded us, she went as far as to, to, to remind people how when they buy a new computer, it's got this really annoying McAfee antivirus stuff, like pre-installed and, and, you know, that you it's difficult to get rid of and then it wants you to upgrade it after it expires, blah, blah, blah. And, and she talked about, as, as we have, we've covered it, how he was in Belize and he had 11 dogs, Rottweilers or something, I think, and they were barking and his neighbor was complaining and his neighbor ended up being shot in the head and then they escape to wherever it was he went to i mean it's just all they have to do is show that crazy video well they is he still on the panel no um i apparently it got dropped somehow it got dropped during the during the shutdown and maybe (laughs) people who were a little more clued in said oh you might want to you might want to watch this video. The staffer wandered over what, and said, um, Congressman, take a look. <laughs> right. Is this what you want? It's a ba- That, by the way, I don't know if we haven't really talked about the health exchange snafus. Oh, Leo. I, I have to say that, you know, I think what happens is people go, well, look, Facebook handles this fine. Uh, Google handles this fine. How come the government can't make a website? But what they're trying to do... And once I dug deep into it, and I actually, uh, yes, the Harper Reed, who worked who worked in the Obama campaign and is a superb computer scientist, said this is non-trivial. They're integrating fifty different databases, more yes. than that. I mean, it's it is not a simple thing to do. I don't know how many hundreds of millions of lines of code it is. Uh, it could. Well, it, it is. It's not surprising it doesn't work, frankly. Yeah, I'm I'm unsurprised. It does sound like. It was a catastrophe of design. Uh, the, the, the subcontractor that did it is a wholly owned subsidiary of a Canadian firm. Among other things, it loads 65 different JavaScript files uh, in order to operate. So <laughs> That's there's a, a concern. Yeah. They, uh, um, they, did, they say, well, we, you know, we, didn't, we, did, we wrote the front end, but, you know, the back end – the connections to all the databases, that's not our thing. And that's really where all the problems are occurring is the connectivity that's required for this. Thing. Yeah. And, and, of course, the problem is that all anybody wants is for it to work. And so everyone is, you could argue, rightfully blaming the what they see is healthcare.gov doesn't work. Right. And no one is going to be able. I mean, can you imagine this going to some congressional committee? Well, I mean, again, well, they, they chose it. John McAfee. Right. You know, they chose John McAfee to like. Oh, he must know what's going on. So well, and the yeah, and the I'm, other issue, the other issue is that uh, it's government, and there, I think it's an impedance mismatch between technology and government. Yeah, government's designed to move slowly, to move by consensus, by committee. Uh, everybody gets their two cents in. This is the and worst it, way. Fight. And to fight, right? I mean, that's the. And, I mean, that and is. And they the were making changes system. till one week before the launch. I mean, this. Of course, it didn't work because, and I yeah. think that this is this is a structural. I remember talking to Harper. We interviewed him on Triangulation about uh, how was it the Obama campaign was so technically literate, but then once you got to the White House, this transparent White House just never materialized. He said, "Apples and oranges." Yep. He says, "Well, the technology in government is ancient. I mean, they're using Windows yeah. XP and stuff, and we were stymied by security regulations, politics. You can't do it. There's, and I think it's a fundamental mismatch between the way this government was designed by our founding fathers it, it intentionally to be inefficient. That's um, John, they don't want John, an efficient government." John John Stewart had a hysterical piece also Monday's 
Comedy Central, John's, uh, you know, Daily Show, uh, where one of his guys, you know, after he got through, you know, really lambasting the administration, uh, one, one of his roving reporters had been trying to get in and was somehow transported into the server where Pac-Man was chasing him around, <laughs> you know, going, arka, 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 arka. and John said, how old is this software? <laughs> so and and it it also has sort of a look like like the the matrix with with numbers changing and John said what are those fours and fives and and and, and the other guy said I know they're supposed to be ones and zeros but you know that this one has fours and fives so anyway it was it was pretty good if if you if you can see Monday's John Oliver, daily John Oliver he's so funny yeah, I love him Exactly yeah, John yeah, Oliver yeah uh, yeah, so, so okay, I mean, there's not so, much for us to say about healthcare.gov except that. Uh, well, I'll just end by saying that what I believe is that whatever happens during the 2014 midterm elections will, they will be decided based on the Affordable Care Act. I mean, it's if if they get this fixed and it comes up and runs and is doing a good thing, then that'll be one outcome. If I mean it's very possible that this really could just collapse. That I mean that it's going to take months. And wh- what I'm worried about is I'm hearing the pundits say we have 3 weeks. They're saying there's a, like we have this has to be working in 3 weeks and otherwise it's just too long. And that's like eh, maybe 3 months. As you said, it is big and complex. Yeah. It is. It's. I don't know if three months is enough. I mean, I don't know. I know it could be easily. It could take a year for yeah. it to all get you know get running correctly. Yeah. It's big. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. So uh, Google has something interesting, and I wanted to, I wanted to fix some of the misconceptions about this because the news. You know, the little snippets that I saw were saying, "Oh, Google is going to be offering DDoS protection." Well. Kinda. Um, Forbes carried the story and and carefully explained what Project Shield was and was not. Um, so, and, and so they they they, they said um, over its years as an internet behemoth, Google has learned a lot about fighting hackers who would knock its services off the web. Now it's offering its muscle to a far more vulnerable set of targets. And that's the point. Well, I'll I'll go on. On Monday of this week, the company announced that it will offer free free protection for websites against so-called distributed denial of service cyber attacks that flood them with junk traffic from hundreds or thousands of computers taking them offline. The project, which is part of the company's Google Ideas initiative to take on global problems, has already been working for months with at-risk sites around the world in countries like Iran, Syria, Burma, and other places where sites with political content are often subject to attack and will expand its initial phase to hundreds of sites. C.J. Adams an associate with Google who announced the Shield project at a company summit in New York said, we're able to take the people who face the greatest threats 
to distributed denial-of-service attacks and get them behind our protection. If they face an attack, it has to get through us first. And after years of working on this, we're getting pretty good at stopping these attacks. Among the beta testers of Project Shield are the Persian-language political blog Balatarin, a Syrian website called Aymta, A-Y-M-T-A, that provides early warnings of Scud missile launches, and an election monitoring website in Kenya called the Independent Electoral and Boundary Commission. Adams said in his talk at the summit that Project Shield had enabled the Kenyan site to stay online through a Kenyan election for the first time in its attack-ridden history. Adams said, quote, Things that can take many of these sites offline are so small to us, we can easily absorb them. That's made this something we can provide fairly easily. It has a huge impact for them, and we can take the hit. So I just think that's neat. You know, it's yeah. pro bono. It's it's so sort of selectively helping organizations that Google deems worthy of, you know, ha- you know having sort of the right to be on the Internet and, you know, not available commercially. You can't buy this from Google. And, it, you know, it's those sorts of those sorts of politically and socially sensitive sites. Then Google sort of promoting free peace or free speech, rather, is just saying, eh, well, you know, we'll, we're just going to do this for you. Good. That's neat. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's um, it's not a full, you know, uh, there are companies that provide this kind of DDoS protection. Yes. Oh, that you buy at like, for extreme. You and know, this wouldn't replace the, that. Correct. For so, for example, gambling sites right. that absolutely have to be on during the big fight, right. where they have been subject to to extortion, saying either you pay us this much money or you're going to be down right. during this period of time that you absolutely have to be online, right. and you know. It is often the case that um, that those sites will go down. Then they'll learn their lesson, and then, and then they'll start paying for very expensive bandwidth. <laughs> that is, you know, you have to essentially share a really big pipe with a lot of people like this in order to in order to manage the costs because really big pipes are really expensive. Right. Um, we have another victim of the NSA's uh, essentially the NSA's. And our actually our government's approach to dealing with uh, the Patriot Act, off, you know, consequences. Um, a a VPN, a commercial VPN service known as Crypto Seal, said they they posted a couple days ago with immediate effect as of this notice. Crypto Seal Privacy, our consumer VPN service is terminated. All cryptographic keys used in the operation of the service have been zero-filled, purged. And while no logs were produced by design during operation of the service, all records created incidental to the operation of the service have been deleted to the best of our ability. Essentially, the service was created and operated under a certain understanding of current U.S. law. And that understanding may not currently be valid. As we are a U.S. company 
and comply fully with U.S. law, but wish to protect the privacy of our users, it is impossible for us to continue offering the CryptoSeal Privacy Consumer VPN product. The statement continued saying, the government takes the position that if a pen register order is made on a provider and the provider's systems do not readily facilitate full monitoring of pen register information and delivery to the government in real time, the government can compel production of cryptographic keys via a warrant to support a government-provided pen trap device. So this is this is a sort of a somewhat more formal statement of what we saw play out um, with Lavabit. You know, we saw the drama of Lavabit. And so so here is here is their understanding of why as a US company they can no longer honor their obligation to provide the security that they f- believed they could and so they're just saying okay we're we're wiping our keys and shutting down wow yeah if you were using uh using this service does it how what's the impact to you um i don't re- i don't know in detail what technology they had that is whether for example the connections had a perfect forward secrecy as an option that is were they negotiating keys for the connections that were not dependent upon the 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 master keys but what this does say is they're they've 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 wiped the keys and deleted them so even if traffic had been captured by preemptively wiping the keys they can no longer be compelled to turn them over so they're gone and so in this case even if the connections were not using perfect forward secrecy they have kept those keys out of the hands of of the US government and so the prior possibly recorded encrypted traffic of their customers is safe Good. and so that was okay. that was their goal wow and that's what you have to do if you really want to if you're serious about this you know uh People probably are wondering about our sponsor, ProXPN, and they are based out of uh, Holland and Singapore. I don't, yep. you know, they, they're multi-homed, and I think one of the reasons is they don't want to, they're worried about U.S. requirements. But I don't know what they're, requ- I, you know, I, I don't know what the status is. Does this, or do all VPN services now that operate in the United States uh, are subject to this problem? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, they have stated you know, ProXPN has stated that they do comply with the laws of the countries in which they operate. So, well, as everybody that, does, you have to, or you don't operate yeah, in that country anymore. So, so, so maybe that means you connect to non-U.S. endpoints, which ProXPN offers, right? And then that way you're out of U.S. clutches. I think you must. I, that's I think you have what to. I would do. Yeah. Yes, that's what I would do. Jeez, Louise. I mean, uh, now, and we talked, and I think this, I sent you a link to this a very interesting uh, article by a longtime uh, security guy, security researcher, Dan Greer. Yes. Or Gear, I should say. Um, and I think maybe in a future episode we should talk about it. But uh, I, I, wanna, I want 
I, I put it in the chat room, and I'm hoping people will take a look at it because he makes an interesting point, which is you don't have much choice as soon as as soon as the political will of the people and uh, of the governing governing bodies, the government is. We want total security. We, never again will we have an attack on our shores. As soon as that mandate is issued, the only way to ensure it is for total information awareness. Yes. You need to – you cannot with 100 percent certainty protect the country unless you know everything that's happening. Otherwise, yes. you, you can't say with certainty that something hasn't happened. Um, and so he says, you know, we've, we've made a deal with the devil in effect. I mean, I, you, people have probably seen the news about IBM's Watson computer, which which won the what was the game show that Jeopardy, wa, that, wa, that Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Yeah. and now it's apparently I just saw a blurb that it's better at diagnosing cancer than wow. cancer special you know than oncologists are wow. given the same data, and you can well imagine you know the NSA ordering up some Watson. Oh, they machines. did. We already know they did. We know Watson oh. is now helping. Oh no, we no. no, they, no. IBM has said it oh. that Watson's new okay. task is no longer playing television game shows or, or curing cancer, but analyzing security threats. Oh no, they've already oh, said boy. that. But uh, okay. and uh, so he raises the really, I mean, important point. I think that the NSA is really you, you can't really blame these security agencies. They have been tasked with doing something that is virtually impossible which and which requires gathering of all information. Right. And so uh, they're just doing their job. So we're going to talk about instant message clients here in a minute, but it, we know that the good news is TNO technology, trust no one technology, is readily available. So, you know, we have cloud backup that cannot be compromised we have instant messaging that cannot be compromised um not everyone uses it and and you, you know you have to be careful how you operate but the problem is if if you want to connect to a remote server over the public internet there you don't have the same one-to-one -one encryption guarantee that you you can create when you know when you're backing up your own data and so only you need to be able to get it or you have a you've established um, cryptographic keys a la you know PGP with somebody else, then it's absolutely the case that that your the fact of your communication cannot be hidden, but the content of your communication can. Right. So, so you know. Although ironically, and, and Dan Gear talks about this as well, the metadata is often more yes. valuable than the content. So. The yes. fact that they can, in fact, see all the transactions is probably all they really need. Yeah, as you and I talked about <laughs> when the whole when the whole Prism thing first broke, uh, and people were saying, "Oh, but it's only the metadata." It's like, oh my God, that's the social network right. that is, you know, right. vital importance. And that's why, as we talked about last week, they're they're sucking in everybody's buddy lists yeah. in order to again to build networks. Right. Incredible. Okay, so. We have okay, so the, the 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 headline here is I don't know why this didn't happen sooner, and we've we're, we've been on borrowed time really with malware that that is that hasn't been really evil. Um, years ago, 
there was a piece of really evil malware called the Chernobyl virus. Oh, yeah. At CIH was the acronym for it. And it wiped out the first megabyte of your hard drive. That's what it did. If you got infected with this thing, it zeroed, wrote zeros over the first megabyte of your drive. And because of my position in the industry with Spinrite, I got all this influx of like, oh, my God, you know, will Spinrite help me? And of course, no. I mean, the first megabyte of your drive is gone. But then I thought about it, and I ended up writing Fix CIH and gave it away for free. In the same way, remember Trouble in Paradise tip, tip. which was the thing yeah. that fixed That's the IOMega zip drives. Yes, it was. Um, so this thing, what I realized was, even though it wiped out your partition table, it wiped out uh, the the root directory... And and like most or like most of the fat with drives at at that time, the second copy of the fat had not been touched. That is, the first copy of the file allocation table was it pushed things far enough away that that I was able basically to to perform a full drive reconstruction and to a huge number of people's relief because this thing spread like wildfire, they were able to run fix CIH and everything was back. They were like, you know, (laughs) a little surprised. But so, so what we have today, I mean, so, 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 so there was just pure malice and it didn't make anybody any money, uh, which is why probably it died off quickly. Also, it tended to kill its victims. And when something kills its own, you know, like kills its host, then it's unable to propagate from there. So now what we have is something that surfaced about two, about three weeks ago called CryptoLocker. Um, and most the most recent incarnation of it accepts anonymous payments through Bitcoin. <laughs> so, okay, so let's back up a bit because our, our listeners have been asking me to tell them about crypt locker for a crypto locker for a while. Um, uh, the, the headline that Dan Gooden at Ars Technica wrote said, you're infected. If you want to see your data again, pay us $300 in bitcoins. And this, and the subhead was ransomware comes of age with unbreakable crypto and anonymous payments. Oh, so, and if you want to, Leo, just put Crypto Locker into Google and you will see, I mean, it is, it is bad. Okay, so what does it do? It, it is typically installed through um, phishing attacks in email. So people will get an email that looks reasonable to them and they will click on a link and it'll be an executable, and they will now be infected. It installs itself into the Documents and Settings folder under a randomly generated name and adds itself to, and this is Windows only, to the Windows auto run list so that it executes every time you run Windows or start up Windows. It produces a lengthy list of random-looking server names in the domains of .biz, .co.uk, 
com info net org and ru and we know from talking about this before that these are cryptographically generated domain names where the out where the code knows based on date what set of domains out of a huge array may be online at that time so this is the way they avoid the anyone getting involved and shutting them down is this it's a it's a spray of of long random looking domain names that will be that one of one or two of which will be valid among a huge po- population and it's continually changing so the bad guys know what the domain name generating algorithm is and they selectively register valid random looking domain names out into the future and 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 so it's 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 really difficult for for authorities to to get in there and stop this so so after generating this large collection of random looking server names it then tries to make web connections to each of these servers in turn, um, trying one every second until it finds the valid one hidden among this debris which responds. When it does, it uploads a file which is essentially the we can think of as the CryptoLocker ID for the user. Then that remote server generates an asymmetric key pair 2048-bit RSA asymmetric encryption, public key encryption, based on the user's unique ID and sends only the public key back to the user's computer. I mean, so what what I'm going to describe here is perfect cryptography. Evil, but perfectly executed. I mean, these guys made no mistake. So then the malware uses the public key. Um, It generates a random 256-bit AES key. So it uses AES 256-bit encryption. Generates a a random symmetric key, which it encrypts with the user's public key and sends that back to the um, server. So... Now you have a, a, a encrypted with the public key, symmetric key for performing bulk encryption that can only be decrypted with the, with the never sent to the computer, never present on the, on the victim computer private key. The program then goes through and enumerates and 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 encrypts under the Rindall AES cipher every single document that it can find on your machine. Um, images, videos, spreadsheets. Th- th- there's a there's a large list of file name extensions that it you know wildcards star dot doc star dot you know uh, text star dot you know, spreadsheet, everything, everything, all the kinds of files that are that are typically user-created content, it runs through. 
Um, it also searches for files on all drives and in all folders it can access from your computer, including workgroup files shared by colleagues, resources on company servers, and more. Anything within its reach. Backups, it by the way, including backups. Yes. Exactly, including so if you have if you have hot online backups, they're victims of this. Um, so essentially, the more privileged your account is, the worse the overall damage will be. So it does that to you, and then it pops up the pay page, giving the victim a limited time, typically seventy two hours, to buy back. Oh, and so and once done with all this encryption, it 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 overwrites and erases zeros the symmetric key. So that it is gone now from your computer. That no longer exists. Nothing on your computer has the information to decrypt what was just encrypted. And in this little in this little message, well, in fact, I'll, I'll read what it says. This pops up on your screen and says, not in in good English, says your important files. Encryption produced on this computer, photos, videos, documents, etc. Here, with a link, is a complete list of encrypted files, and you can personally verify this. Show it so it shows you the list of everything that it just ruined for you. Then it goes on saying encryption was produced using a unique public key RSA two o four eight generated for this computer to decrypt file you need to obtain the private key the single copy of the private key which will allow you to decrypt the files located on a secret server on the internet the server will destroy the key after a time specified in this window after that nobody and never will be able to restore files <laughs> To obtain the private key for the computer, which will automatically decrypt files, you need to pay 300 U.S. dollars slash 300 euro, similar amount in another currency. Any attempt to remove or damage this software will lead to the immediate destruction of the private key by server. And then that shows you a countdown timer of of hours, minutes, and seconds remaining until you no longer will ever have access to your data. And I've, I've heard from several people who were stricken by this who tried to get a money pack, and the, wherever they went, the person said, well, it's weird. There's been a run on those uh, recently. Yeah. <laughs> we're out of money packs, yeah. and it's because of this thing and people are and what's sad is that when law enforcement has found and taken down the servers it doesn't matter all they do is hurt well, people they're killing precisely, the, they're killing the keys precisely they are killing the keys and then it's impossible for you yeah. to get your files back yeah. not wow. good now uh in this Dan Gooden who's so good writes uh, that you should have a cold online backup what is the difference in a hot and a cold online backup well, I guess Dropbox would be hot, right? Because it's active. Yes, anything that your computer can see through Windows Explorer, where you're able to browse through the normal file system, would be considered a hot backup. So Dropbox, so, uh, 
any kind of yeah, uh, any, built-in anything sharing that creates kind of thing. Yeah. yeah essentially if it has a drive letter then then and and you can see it in Windows Explorer then this thing is able to find the drive letter go out and look for files wow. and encrypt them presumably then carbonite would be immune yeah. Uh, yes. Because it's just running. It's running as a program. It's not. You it, don't have. You can't, can't see the. You don't have a file mapping to right, carbonite. Right. Exactly. Yes. Well, then let me do a carbonite ad. Yeah. And I would bet knowing carbonite because they're very sharp about this kind of stuff that they also uh, provide further protections against, you know, this this program accessing your data in any way. I mean, it, it's horrifying. I it mean, is. This is. It, it is. It is. As I said at the beginning, I mean, there is no mistake they made. This is crypto cryptography being perfectly deployed right. for malicious end. And there is. And what? And the hook is. It's not like it wiped out your files. Ha ha ha. It has. It has taken them from you, and you actually can get them back if you pay three hundred dollars. And Apparently, they're making a ton of money. Oh, yeah. They, uh, you know, the FBI said with other uh, ransomware things, as much as a $5 million a year. Yes. Uh, presumably, this is even more. You could see the incentive to do this, you know. Almost impossible to catch you. Um, yeah. So, I don't know if Carbonite would necessarily prevent this, but uh, if you're a business and you're faced with this, you know, the 300 bucks seems fairly... Uh, reasonable <laughs> the sad thing is you it may not work to restore it if uh, law enforcement yes. killed the server or well and and there have been reports of it like trying not or always like, working it's, it's like yes, less perfect right. in that part than it is in the they're, first part yes they they, they, they were less um beautiful in yeah. making sure that the the decryption worked than the encryption thank you yeah. You know, they don't care, really, if you get your files back. Carbonite does, and that's why I do recommend Carbonite Online Backup, especially if you're a business and you're not backing up. You could see the devastation this could cause. It, it could put you out of business. So could a fire, a flood. If you don't have good off-site backup, you need it, and Carbonite's a great way to do it. They now have plans for pretty much every situation, ranging from their home plan, which is $59.99 a year for everything on a single computer, unlimited storage, to their business premier plans, their business plans, they will back. They have a new enhanced server backup, which I really like. Um, comprehensive hot backup, hybrid local and cloud backup, AES 256-bit encryption, high-speed uploads up to 100 gigabytes a day. They even, you know, I mean, I think there, there's, there's all sorts of solutions to this. This is for Windows servers, databases, live applications. You can call the small business team and find out and say, hey, will this work? Is with this cold? Can I get a cold backup? Give me a cold. Can I get a cold backup? I think you need Carbonite. I want you to visit them and uh, try it for free. Two weeks free. You don't need a credit card. Just the offer code Security Now. Security Now. And if you decide to buy after you've used our uh, our free offer, you'll get two months free with uh, purchase. Again, just less than five bucks a month for a single computer. But they have plans for all sorts of networks and so forth. Um, Carbonite.com. Boy, now more than ever, a good backup is critical it would back up if so if the if the bad guy got on your system encrypted the files then carbonite might continue to run and back those encrypted files up but i should point out carbonite does versionings the key is to catch this but yes. you would because they're going to let you know so as soon yes. as they've encrypted they go hey by the way good luck and yep. that's the point when you say oh i want the previous if if it had been backed up i want the previous version correct yeah all right so that's the key
You want, you want, and that's one thing Carbonite does offer is versioning. Start your free trial today, Carbonite.com. You don't need a credit card. You just need security now. That's the uh, one word. That's the uh, offer code, security now. You'll get two free bonus months when you decide to buy. Back up uh, now <laughs> before, it's, before it costs you $300 or two bitcoins, which is more. Yeah, and I would just say to our listeners, you know, tell warn your friends. I, I know well, people who listen to this podcast. radio pod show for sure. Yes, people who people who um, listen to the podcast are among the savviest users. You know, we right. do not click on links in email, but our friends and family, you know, aren't so careful, right. and that's who's getting bit by this, and it's a bad bite. So, uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just, just amazing. Um, well, I mean, we've seen this before, but this is really a particularly nasty variant. Well, and, and the problem is all of the technology is in place now. I mean, right. I, I, as, as I said, when I started this, I don't know why it didn't happen sooner. The technology right. has been available. We've really been on borrowed time that malware has just sort of oddly existed for the sake of existing. I mean, yeah, I guess there's some weird, you know, like installing search bars and, and cruft in browsers where they get some, there's some way to monetize that so that you, you know, it changes your, your search to um, something where, where there's, you know, some, some, some sort of like social networking search stuff where pe people install this junk and make money. But this, this is a problem. This is generating, I mean, the, the, the problem is this is going to succeed and we're going to see more of this. My sense is this is going to change the landscape a little bit. I'm not sure how, but I mean, this is really bad. And so this is not a nuisance. You know, Jenny got her laptop infected with with one of these search bar things that was popping up a whole bunch of tabs uh, a couple of weeks ago. And so I, I fixed it for her and it was like, okay, you know, it's fixed now. But this is a different category. This is not, you know, remove it and then you're okay. Right, right. This is your data is gone. So, yeah, I'm glad she's using Carbonite as she is. Tell your friends. Um, so I got a neat tweet um, <laughs> a couple days ago from a friend of ours who we've heard from before, Christian Alexandrov, uh, tweeting from Diablo... Uh, D-I-A-B-O or Diabol D-I-A-B-O-L-I-K-K-A-N-T not sure what that is but that's his his Twitter handle and first he sent me a tweet he said he said Spinrite saved me twice today I wanted to share with Security Now listeners and so I just I glanced up and saw that in my tweet deck and so I wrote back I said well okay you could do a video or you could write it up and post it to, you know, grc.com slash feedback. I said, if you do, tweet me and, so, and I'll go get it so that I, you know, so that I see it. And so not long after that, I got another tweet. He said, I sent the story to you in text on grc.com slash feedback titled Twice the Time, Twice the Good. So, and it was kind of fun. So I wanted to share it. So this is, he's in Sofia City, Bulgaria. And he said, hello, Steve and Leo. I want to share a Spinrite story with all Security Now friends. I called my dentist to schedule a session for a tooth that hurts me. My dentist tells me his computer went down again. 
And we may remember, this is where we heard from Christian before, was that he had dental problems and got some free work done. He says, so he told me, I have free hours. I, ha- I have few hours before he can do anything, meaning that I guess the office was closed because he has no, no computer. So Christian says, I decided to go to the nearest restaurant to have a breakfast. Guess what? Restaurant was out of business for the day. Guess why? Computer failure. You see where this is going, right, Stephen Leo? He writes, so I offered my help to both restaurant and dentist. Then it just struck then it just struck the dentist like bolt of lightning. We had an arrangement. I fix his computer. He heals my teeth in return. Then uh, Christian writes, dentist is done. So dentist, to- whatever that means. So, so dentist told me to come to my clinic at 1600 hours to take care of the PC and I will take care for you. Good. I had six hours free, writes Christian. The restaurant owner was desperate and accepted my offer. I let Spinright loose on restaurant's computer on level two. It took Spinright four hours to process the drive. After that, some windows and office updates, disk cleaning, registry cleanup, defragment the drive, and the computer was every bit as good as new. The restaurant owner was happy and promised me a dinner for me and my beloved. Later, I went to my dentist with my tools and teeth, apparently. Same operations like the restaurant were in order for the PC. But Spinrite... (laughs) so funny. (laughs) Things must be rough in Bulgaria. But Spinrite brought me a headache, he wrote. And I thought, what? Anyway, he says, while Spinrite was loose... On level two, the dentist healed me. When we finished, I interrupted Spinrite and rebooted the PC. Turns Spinrite fixed the pro- the problem while the dentist was healing me. Well, Spinrite brought the disc back from the realm of the dead to realm of the living to find that the computer was infected. I used Sysinternals tools to remove the malware Thanks, Mark Rusinovich, for such great tools. Well, the PC was up and running. Then the dentist phone rang. It was IT support telling the dentists they can take his case in 48 hours from now, apologizing for inconvenience. The dentist told them not to bother. He hired someone else to fix the problem, and the PC is up and running. After I removed the malware, I updated Windows Office and ran disk cleanup, registry cleanup, disk defragment. And after all finished, I asked my dentist to check my work. The dentist loved it. Then out of nowhere, his IT support came to ask what is going on. The dentist just fired him without much explanations. Now I'm his IT support. So he was so happy that he asked, what else can I do for you? I asked him to check my girlfriend's teeth. (laughs) He not only checked her, but started full and complete healing sessions for her for free, in all caps. He's a happy dentist. Later this evening, we got back to the restaurant where we had our romantic dinner with nice music, fine meals, and fine wine, as promised by the restaurant owner 
for free. Thank you, Steve, for this great software. Thank you, Leo, for your great Security Now podcast. And last but not least, thank you, Mark Rosinovich, for your great Sysinternals tools and your great books, Zero Day and Trojan Horse. I look forward for the third one, Raw Code. Christian Alexandrov. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. So Next time, you, I want Christian. you to read that in a Bulgarian accent. Oh, I can't. No. <laughs> I don't we would never that. get through it. <laughs> Spinrite. So, fixes teeth and makes dinner. <laughs> makes happy oh, girlfriend. Wonderful of it. Yeah. Uh, yes. Makes girlfriend happy. And happy teeth. So, Continue on. I have uh, one more ad to do, so you tell me when it's an appropriate time to a break. Okay. All right. We have a... Fl- this is really interesting to me. Written entirely in JavaScript... By the Mozilla Project, a Flash virtual machine. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's called Shumway. And I meant, I, I ran out of time. I meant to look up, why, what does Shumway mean? That's a very I feel familiar like, name, isn't it? Isn't it? It's like yeah. somebody in some some movie or or series or something. It just seems familiar to me. Shum, Shumway must have been someone. I'm sure the chat room will probably instantly identify Norman it. Norman Shumway it. pioneered heart surgery at Stanford. I don't think it's him. Yeah. Sounds like something from like I Dream of Genie or something, doesn't it? Or something maybe more pop and recent. I don't know. Oh, but Gordon Shumway it, is Alf. Or ne- Norman Shumway. Alf. Was the actor who played Alf? I don't know. No, Alf was a Alf's, puppet. Wasn't Alf he? had a real name. Gordon oh. Shumway. Oh, really? Okay. So, so the website. I don't know what that has is, to do with Flash. <laughs> the web website is areweflashyet.com. So you can just go to areweflashyet.com and that will, you'll be in the Shumway project. And this is a group, uh, their official statement, it is over on, on GitHub. Their official uh, statement is Shumway is an HTML5 technology experiment that explores building a faithful and efficient renderer for the SWF file format without native code assistance. That's amazing. I know. I just can't. It's like, thank God that's not my Do you need to have Flash? Or you don't need Flash at all? No, this will run... Yes, it replaces it with native. Bra- it's, it's it's in the same way that that Firefox is now natively rendering PDFs. They are working towards native rendering Flash. Wow! So they say our goal is to create a general purpose web standards based platform for parsing and rendering SWFs. Integration with Firefox is a possibility. If the experiment proves successful, you know so, the name may come from the old joke. Ask me what's a shumway. Ask me oh, what's okay. a shumway. Leo, yeah, what's a shumway? About five pounds. <laughs> no. Oh my no, god, that's pretty bad. That, that's unfortunately <laughs> that's the humor I grew up with, and it may be I, the humor talking. Mozilla, the Mozilla folks grew up with too. Oh. <laughs> You know, my, my 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 grandfather would say, "I opened the window, and influenza." Yes, exactly. All right, yeah. this the chat room may have it. So, 
What is ALF backwards? F-L-A, the file name extension for a flash file, one of them, is ALF backwards. And ALF's uh, real name was Gordon Shumway. Got it. That's a long way to go. Wow. That's a reach. But you know but geeks. Does, yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, so the first of three instant messaging topics... BlackBerry Messenger, oh, now available for iOS and Android. Now you're you're the one of the few people still using a BlackBerry, so I'm curious what you think of this. I, by well, the way, it's so popular. You you when you download and install it, it says wait in line. Yes, um, so 10 million downloads in the first 24 hours. Wow, says BlackBerry. It was it was it became the number one download on all the on both iOS and Android platforms after announcement and they were overwhelmed with response and so as you said leo you know i think it was maybe monday maybe monday evening i got it and then it said sorry you're gonna have to wait in line and then this was on my new iphone 5s that i wanted to install it so because you're right i'm still haven't yet made the conversion over i'm still using a blackberry so i thought oh cool um and I gave them an email address for me, and they said, we'll email you when you were first in line. And then I saw a link to a way to get around needing to wait. Uh, CNET has a story, how to avoid waiting for BBM on Android and iOS. It turns out their blockage isn't very high tech and so it's easy to, to get yourself first in line um, and what PC Mag said was BBM was the originator of the modern read receipt and while that's been replicated in both iMessage and Hangouts BBM still does it pretty well you can also do group chats share pictures and send files it basically does all the stuff the first part of the, the of all the stuff the first part messaging clients do but it's running through blackberry's servers if you're worried about security this should be on your radar now the problem is i take issue with that i mean we know that blackberry was big on security the problem is even blackberry themselves say that that you should consider your messages scrambled and not encrypted. And my message to our listeners is BlackBerry Messenger is not TNO. The BlackBerry uses a PIN technology, and you're assigned a PIN when you, when you register your BBM on, you know, you, you get one on, on a BlackBerry, and, you, and it assigns you one, when you register it on an iOS or Android device. And um, unfortunately, the encryption is uses a global key that everybody has. Everybody has. Great. I know. <laughs> so thank you very much. It stops nothing. Uh, no one. What? What? Uh, yes, exactly. Um, in their in BlackBerry's own documents, they said. Pin-to-pin messages are encrypted under a common global key, and they pass through BlackBerry's infrastructure. They are definitely subject to selective decryption. Pin-to-pin 
is not suitable. That's, uh, that's okay, Leo. Keep sighing because we're going to talk about one that is here in a minute. But yes. not su- suitable for exchanging sensitive messages. It's also Although lame because it, you have to find out somebody's PIN. Yes. Although pin-to-pin messages are encrypted using triple DES, oh. which, you know, yeah, that's it's strong. Like, it's okay. Of course, everybody but knows the key. The, <laughs> yes, that's the problem. The key used is a global cryptographic key that is common to every BlackBerry device in the world. This means any BlackBerry device can potentially decrypt all pin-to-pin messages sent by any other BlackBerry device if the messages can be intercepted and the destination pin spoofed. Further, unfriendly third parties who know the key could potentially use it to decrypt messages captured over the air. Note that the BlackBerry Solution Security Technical Overview document published by RIM specifically advises users to, quote, consider PIN messages as scrambled, not encrypted. So they're obfuscated. Now, so where would this be useful? Um, I don't know why. 10 million people downloaded it, and I'm not sure now why I'm one of those, but I did. Um, however, I, after doing additional research, that is this research, it's like, ah, that's not what I wanted. What I was looking for was something to lift a, a dialogue with my best friend out of texting because, first of all, it's annoying that, that you have a 140-character limit in, in text, or I guess, is it? One, I guess it's, it's 160? 160 technically. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Because because Twitter is 140. So yeah, and that's it's because of Unicode or something. I can't remember. There's a reason. Oh, and, yeah. So that's annoying. Well, it's because you want to encrypt your 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 handle right. back and forth right. in order, you know, for that for pu- public stuff. But um, and so that's annoying. But mostly he's using a corporate a, a corporate iPhone and. He's a little anxious, like when we're talking about playing hooky and, you know, rendezvousing to go see some wonderful sci-fi on a Friday afternoon that, well, I wouldn't like my boss to know that that's what I'm doing. So, that you know, it's nothing mission critical. If We don't care if the NSA knows, but we would just like to not have it, you know, because it's a company phone for his employer to have access to it. So it's like, okay, this would looks like it would be nice. I mean, it's very nicely executed. I did play with it for a while. BBM is a nice piece of work not TNO. So next up, I just got email from Hemless. Remember that Hemless, H-E-M-L-I-S, means secret in Swedish. And we have so far been unimpressed. Their site is H-E-M-L dot I-S. So they found their name by you know, by finding a, a top-level domain that's .is and then doing an H-E-M-L in front of it in order to get their name as their, their domain. Um, the, and what they sent me was news of a new video showing it in operation where they have three phones and they're, like, you know, sending text messages between these three phones. And it's like, okay, so now it works. The problem is in their Q&A, their they, their own question is, what technology will Hemless use? And then the answer is, we are building Hemless on top of proven technologies, such as XMPP with PGP. Then the next question is, why not use OTR? That's, of course, off the record, which we did a podcast on, which is what 
CryptoCat uses for its secure messaging, and it's really good. But they respond to that question, even though we love OTR, it's not really feasible to use in a mobile environment. The problem is that OTR needs both parties to be online for a session to start, which is true. But a normal phone would not always be online. It would not work at all for offline messages, neither, they say. And then this, the kicker is the last question that I highlighted. Will you provide an API and or allow third-party clients? Their response is, at this point, we don't see how that would be possible without compromising the security. So for now, the answer is no. And that ends it. Because what we know, I mean, the, the, there's no lesson our listeners should know better than a system that relies on the secrecy of its architecture is not secure. It, it you know, it's it, it just, you know, look, for example, at, at SQRL, Squirrel, that I've talked about. Completely open. Here's how it works. This is what it does. No secrets. Because the architecture is secure, and anyone who wants to make a client is able to do so. So, I mean, that's the way you do security now. You know, it's, it's like, you know, GNU Privacy Guard, where it's completely open. It's like TrueCrypt, yeah. open source. Yeah. The, you know, here's TrueCrypt, open source. And, and the, the point is that you can, anyone could do, could write a TrueCrypt compatible um, interpreter to interpret a TrueCrypt volume with the documentation that's there. That's the way you do it. So, you know, the idea that they're, that, that they're saying, no, we won't let you look inside is, it's like, well, that's wrong. And it's the other reason that I felt so good about LastPass was that when, they, when, when Joe showed me how it worked, explained every detail of it, he even had sample code JavaScript right there demonstrating it functioning. So, you know, it's like, yeah, prove it to yourself. Encrypt something and, he, and go to the web page here and we'll decrypt it for you and you can look at the code. It's like, yep, that's the way you want to do it. So um, I tweeted about BlackBerry Messenger this morning, and I got a bunch of people who responded saying, well, then what is TNO? What should we use? And so I wanted to remind everyone about Threema, which I really like and which really looks good. And, and when I remind you, that, this, that Leo, that it's the one with the three dots, then you go, oh, yeah, I, you know, I like that one. Um, it's not free. It's a dollar ninety nine, uh, U.S. So, so, and the good news is, you pay two bucks, and you're supporting them. You're not wondering what their what 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 their economic model is for existence. Um, uh, they say, Threema is a mobile messaging app that puts security first, with true end to end encryption. You can rest assured that only you and the intended recipient can read your messages. Unlike other popular messaging apps, including those claiming to use encryption, even as even we, as the server operator, have absolutely no way to read your messages. And so these, these three levels 
level one, one dot, which is red, is the ID and public key have been obtained from the server because you received a message from this contact for the first time. No matching contact was found in your address book by phone number or email, and therefore you cannot be sure that the person who they claim to be um, is, I'm sorry, that the person is who they claim to be in their messages. So they're, so, 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 so they're saying, okay, that's the red level of trust. Then level two, the orange level, which is two dots, the ID has been matched with a contact in your address book by phone number or email. Since the server verifies phone numbers and email addresses, you can be reasonably sure that the person is who they claim to be. And then third, the full strength three dot green level is you have personally verified the ID and public key of the person by scanning their QR code. Assuming their device has not been hijacked, you can be very sure that messages from this contact were really written by the person they indicate. And so what I'm doing is I'm going to have, have my, my buddy Mark buy Threema, and we will meet and swap QR codes, swap public keys face-to-face, and that way... That's a great idea. A, isn't that neat? And I'm going to do that, too. I'm buying it right, downloading it right now. Yep. I really... This is my choice. Uh, these guys and make, Android, which is great. Correct. Yes. And they said the verification levels don't change anything in the encryption strength. It is always the same high-grade elliptic curve cryptography-based mm-hmm. encryption, but they are a measure of the trust that the public keys saved for your contacts really belong to them. Having the wrong public keys leaves you open to man-in-the-middle attacks. Therefore, it is important to verify the keys. And then they also said, why the name Threema? And I was curious, so I looked. It says, it started life as an abbreviation E-E-E-M-A for end-to-end encrypted messaging application. The three E's were a bit unwieldy, so it became three Um Anyway, um, I the other thing I love about this, Leo, you can on on that fact page. They're saying I only I don't know anybody yet who has Threema. How do I make sure it's working? Then and they give you a QR code right there for their Echo Echo person, and so I scanned it. It it created a contact in my contact list list, and I sent it a message which instantaneously was returned. And that's the other thing that is so cool is why I like being in, in a in an internet-based service rather than texting is that you know sometimes Mark Mark and I will I'll, you know he'll he'll be swinging by to pick me up and I'll say send me a text and and I'll 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 run out. And the other day he said, "Hey, you know, he finally called me. He said, "Well, hey, I texted you and you didn't come out." It's like, "Well, okay." And it wasn't until, you know, we were at dinner that I finally got his text message. Uh, so, that's just nice. not having any texting delay is really nice. This thing you could do, you could easily have instantaneous real-time conversations using Threema and with absolute standard, you know, public key swapping end-to-end encryption. So I got I got it. I'm, I've set up a key. Now it gave me 
a, a string, an easy to remember and say a string of, I don't know, seven or eight uh, letters. So I could give you and that. A, yes. What but I'll the QR do is, code would be more secure. Yeah, I will put you in my address book and I will send you something so that you can get it. So you and I can exchange and achieve orange level. And then when I when I see you over New Year's, we'll we'll aim our phones at each other and go to green level. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> it's very cool. I have no idea if it's good or not, but I trust you. So it's not open okay, source, so, so there could be a backdoor in it, right? Yeah, I, I just don't see any. I mean, it's like, OK, yeah. But right. I'm I'm trusting these guys. They they seem 100 percent to have done it right and and to to be doing the right thing. And they're wherever they are, they're not in the U.S. either, so they don't have to. They're Swiss. Yes. Yes. Cool. So okay, this is weird. Can I have to pause us and do an ad? Yes. Before yes. the weirdness begins. <laughs> yes, we got some weirdness. Really interesting U.S. Patent and Trademark Office nightmare weirdness. Oh, don't get me started. Oh yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, let's talk a little bit, though, before we do that, about ProXPN. You've vetted them. You've This is one of those trusted-by-Steve companies. Uh, Steve, you know, is a big OpenVPN supporter. OpenVPN was originally used by businesses to allow you to access the company's servers from a remote uh, place. That way, you'd have an encrypted tunnel, and all the traffic would be secure and safe. And uh, But it can be used also for other reasons. For instance, let's say you want to hide your uh, your conversations, your internet traffic from your mobile device on an open access point. This will do it. In fact, really, it's the recommended way to uh, use open Wi-Fi access spots. Um, perhaps you would like to, you know, make sure your ISP is not keeping an eye on what you're up to. You know, they can, of course, unless you use a, a VPN, a virtual private network. Open uh, VPN is the open source solution, but setting up your own open VPN so- server while desirable is non-trivial, I have an easier way, ProXPN. Use their OpenVPN servers. As we mentioned, they're hosted all over the world, Dallas, Seattle, London, Singapore, Los Angeles, New York City, and Amsterdam. Steve recommends we uh, use a endpoint outside the U.S. to make sure the U.S. government isn't spying on us. It's a 512-bit encryption tunnel using a 2048-bit key. All the good stuff of OpenVPN. And when you use our offer code, it's very affordable. Now, there is a free service you can try. But, you know, you can try it free for seven days, if you wish, by going to proxpn.com slash twit and using the offer code SN20. So here's what will happen. You know, they, normally it's, uh, I think it's, uh, what, $9.99 a month, nine ninety five a month. You can buy it for a full year, if you wish. That brings the price down to 75 a month. Or uh, use our offer code, and that'll bring the total cost down to less than 5 bucks a month. And not just for the first month, but for the life of your account forever. ProXPN.com slash twit. Visit it right now. You'll see Welcome Twit fans. Check them out. You can try it for seven days and cancel any time in that first seven days for a full refund, so there's no risk. The premium account is great for a lot of reasons. It's faster. It's easier. And now, with their Android app, you can use OpenVPN on your Android. That's available in the uh, Play Store. They also have an iOS app. So that is that is that makes it even more desirable. I want you to try it today. ProXPN.com slash twit. Protect yourself from spying, from snooping, from six strikes laws, from 
geographic restrictions with proxpn.com slash twit. Offer code is SN20. And we thank them so much for their support of Security Now. All right. Now, Steve Gibson and okay. something weird in the Patent and Trademark Office. Doesn't seem well, unlikely, okay. frankly. <laughs> Just after last week's podcast on Thursday, October 17th, uh, came the news that the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office had reversed a prior decision. By the way, I said ProXPN, not pro, not OpenVPN.com. ProXPN. ProXPN.com. Let's get that right. Go ahead. They reversed yeah. their decision. They reversed their decision on what is being called the Steve Jobs patent. This is a patent that Apple has, which is amazingly broad and essentially forecloses any other use of touch for for managing a device. There are 20 claims in this patent and there was a it was secretly contested meaning that someone and it is speculated Samsung or Google said to the US Patent and Trademark Office we need you know we're challenging this patent secretly so we think it needs to be overturned initially that was granted last thursday on further analysis all 20 claims were upheld. And, for example, among them is you put your finger on a, on a touch-sensitive surface and moving it vertically scrolls the page. That's claim number one. You put your finger on the touch-sensitive surface and moving it side to side changes items. That's claim number two. And it goes on like that. I mean, I don't know what this means, but it seems like it's really bad news for anybody else who wants to do a touch-enabled device like Samsung and Microsoft and Google because this has been, you know, really looked at and there the claims are being upheld. Maybe what this now has to, has to happen is that this goes to court and and those with interests other than Apple, maybe they get together or individually they find prior art or they they demonstrate that this is this fails the obviousness test because that's of course one of the tests that a patent has to pass is that it would not be obvious to someone trained in the art. Um, you know, I remember uh, I had a crazy program. That is the, it's, it's the Windows program that I wrote to teach myself Windows programming called Chromazone. It was it was, it was a commercial product that GRC did uh, that, that used palette animation. And one of the things that Chromazone did was you could scroll the help by putting the mouse on the surface and dragging the surface, which is exactly what you do with your finger dragging the surface. So it's like, well... Okay, is that not the same? I don't know. But, you know, it it's, stuns me, first of all, that that this patent was the, that the, you know, it seemed reasonable that it would be overturned. Now it's been, you know, it's all 20 claims have been upheld. Wow. So, wow. 
Yeah. Yeah. Patent office loves yeah. that Steve Jobs. Well, and and Steve's name is number one in the list of yeah. inventors. There's about fifty <laughs> in yeah. the list. It's yeah. like everybody I at Apple Steve actually uh, invented it. But one wonders, know. yeah, what his role was. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's but, but really, Leo, how how would you how, how would you scroll something right without on a touch that. surface yeah. without doing that? It's like uh, duh. So well, yeah, this is the risk of a uh, inter partes uh, appeal of uh, patents. Yeah, um, you can get a reexamination, but it doesn't guarantee they're going to do the right thing. Yeah, and I think it's going to have to get litigated, and you know, it's going to have to be it's hard, difficult to understand that Apple would be getting, you know, EFF is doing the same thing with the podcast patent, and it's uh, yes, it's a debatable strategy because if you win, it ends up all litigation. If you lose, it makes it that much harder to. I think defend. I just saw really good news, Leo, about that. I was thinking of you, no, didn't no, I say? No, they please? began the inter partes. Oh, okay. That's it's eighteen months before we'll have a result. Wow, it takes a long time. Um, yeah. So beginning it is not concluding it. <laughs> there's a and there's you know you don't. I presume the lawyers at EFF looked at it and said mm, this this prior art is strong and we think we have a case, but it's a very yeah. risky thing to do. And it, I you know we don't know if it was Samsung that pursued this. It's an anonymous. Uh, Yep. Request. And the problem is that now makes it very difficult for Samsung. And I'm not saying this. I'm not saying this is a bad thing because I'm a Samsung fan or anti Apple. It's a bad thing because it means innovation now has a tax in touch. You have to pay Apple if you want to use yes. their patent. Yes. Uh, yes. And it does seem like so, a pretty trivial and obvious solution. So our comment last week about they're not having been any great sci-fi on TV. I drew was so some- wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I take it back. It drew a lot of ire from our listeners who said, what, did you not see Fringe, you moron? It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, of course. I loved Fringe, yeah. and I mean, I everyone like did. I not all that much, but okay, Battlestar Galactica, uh, you had mentioned Firefly, which is true. And- right. And I've talked about Stargate SG-1. Anybody who wants to just fall into a beautifully produced sci-fi series stargate sg1 was really good in in what i loved about it was the premise that these an ancient civilization completely covered the universe with stargates that allowed you to hop from place to place and so you know the you know star trek solved the problem by getting in a bus and going somewhere with, and they then you know we need warp drive so we can get there in a lifetime. Stargate solved the problem by creating wormholes between portals, and it just it's a perfect, a perfect substrate for building a science fiction series. And I loved it. It had Richard Dean Anderson, who I always from MacGyver on. I thought you know he was whimsical and fun, so I loved it. And I will I will confess that I am enjoying Agents of Shield. Um, <laughs> Which is about, I think we're about four episodes in. And I mean, it is a little bubblegum, but, you know, it's, it's fun. I'm, I'm liking it. So, yeah, there is some, there is some sci-fi. And, and, yeah, Galactica was also great for the first it, couple it, seasons. It was I who said that, not Steve. I okay. said that. Steve defended television sci-fi. Um, Steve may be on jury duty. Good luck. It's actually yeah. fun. I enjoyed um, it. Well, I've never been impaneled, 
and I got the notice about, about like six weeks ago. I start phoning in Friday. So if it, it there's a chance it could impact next week's recording, which is why I'm okay. I'm I'm mentioning it now. If you know, I've no, I've never been impaneled. Uh, a litigator who is a friend of mine from Starbucks said the end of the month tends to be like no one's starting a new case then. So they pro- they may, they're not needing lots of new jurors because they're winding things down for some reason. She said there's no real reason that anything would be month aligned, but people don't like to start them at the end of the month for some reason. So anyway, we'll see. Um, maybe you and I can find a time to do it when I'm like, when oh, yeah, it works we'll for work both it of us if I'm unable to do it on Wednesday. We'll do it. Because we know there, whatever, would, there, yeah. there would be an uprising if we, yeah, uh, no, we have to do it. <laughs> if and we, we will didn't do have it. it. And 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 don't try to get off the jury. You wouldn't do this, I know. But sometimes people say, oh, there's good strategies for getting off the jury. No, because that means all the smart people get off the jury, and the only people left are people who are too stupid to be able to get off juries. Actually, that the, the same yeah, the, the same the same person. Who, I, I tried to last time. It was a, I, I would love to. I've never done it. Yeah, um, but, serve. But, but it's this, part of your this, civic duty. This litigator said, Steve, you are the last person they want on a jury. Because you're analytic. it's clear, you well, and you cannot be controlled. Yeah. They want they want people that can can, can they can right. control. And she said, and frankly, in knowing you, you would probably end up being the foreman, right. and so you'd you know run the show. Right. And so well, they don't want you. Okay. I yeah, thought they, the they, same, they, and I was impaneled, and I was very surprised because I said, you know, the judge, or maybe it was one of the attorneys. I think it was the judge said, "Would you talk about this on the air?" And I said, "Yeah." After the trial's over, they said, <laughs> uh, "You know, it was very obvious." Yeah. Um, uh, that I, you know, I thought, oh, there's no no way you're going to put a journalist who will then write about the story after the fact on the uh, panel. No, they did impanel me. So it's unpredictable. But you know what? You want to get on there. That's your job. And we will support no, you. I will give only, you the required $20 a day. It's only the, I think I get 15. 15. It's only the pod. It's only the collision with the podcast, which would which would give me pause. And yeah. so if we can work around that, yeah. that would be great. Yeah. Um, there is an amazing illustrated guide to squirrel. Go to sqrl.pl. You didn't do this. No. Somebody not in Poland. By me. Somebody in Poland did it. Well, .pl, wherever that That's is. Poland, they, yeah. It may have may have just gotten it, you know. sqrl.pl is beautiful. Very um, nice. it was yeah, it really did a neat job of of visually explaining how. Holy yeah. cow. <laughs> Holy cow. Very nice. And this is great. Yeah, it's it's just beautiful. Um my mention last week of of a, a of an addition, an expansion of the protocol to allow people to change their identities like remember i said like okay you you know you broke up with a spouse who had your phone or or maybe not a spouse just a boyfriend or girlfriend who had your phone uh, or had and, and they 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 took their phone with them but your identity was in their phone and so you know or it had been you were crossing the border and bad guys confiscated your phone for uh weeks or days or what for whatever reason you have, you felt uncomfortable about your your squirrel identity maybe being compromised we, we know it's deeply encrypted so it would take anyone you know forever to i mean like impractically 
to, to, to brute force it. But you, for whatever reason, you just want to change. And so what I had what I talked about last week was that a simple extension to the existing protocol where you'd offered the old key and the new key and that that was signed by both allowed the server to to very smoothly change identities. Well that created a firestorm of concern in the GRC news group where we're approaching 3000 postings unfortunately I'm I'm again 1100 behind I briefly got caught up and so it's been tough to stay current because there's just so much interest and dialogue going on about this but the 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 feeling was that that allowing in what I'll call in-band identity changing as opposed to out-of-band changing, where like you would go to a website and you would prove your identity with email or by using old-school username and password, and then it would say, okay, you've, you've, you've authenticated some by some other means than Squirrel. The argument that the, that the really security-concerned people had was that you are, you're using a credential that you fear may be compromised in order to authorize the change to the new one. They said, okay, that's just brain dead. <laughs> it's like, well, okay. Uh, I mean, I could see their point. And so they, the argument was that if, if a bad guy got your credentials, that is so, somehow you know you used a really bad password really like a b c or something that may be the fir- or like monkey or password or something like the first thing a bad guy would guess or it was somebody who might know your password for whatever reason if they were able to acquire your identity before you then allowing in band identity changing would let them change your identity and lock you out of your use of squirrel. And I thought, okay, I yeah, I can I mean, if we allow all those things lined up in a row to be true, then yeah, I could see that in-band identity changing should have a higher bar. So, um yesterday morning, I spent a couple hours at Starbucks and I designed a protocol. <laughs> I designed, I designed a protocol that does that. It is again perfect. It, it is a, it's a technology where you your identities will be locked after you assert them and and associate your squirrel identity with a website. Nothing can change it. That is, even you can't change it, because again. A bad guy could be you. A bad guy could be impersonating you. And and the way this works is there's a separate key, which is not your normal master key, which you can freely move around among devices, but this is your identity unlock key, which you would only use in the event of wanting to change your change your identity associations, change your your master identity key. And so the point is it does not live in your device. It is never written to volatile to non-volatile memory. It is it, it just it will not be stored. 
It is just for this purpose. And it turns out it's a pretty simple protocol. It uses all the existing primitives we already have, very low requirement over on the web server side. It just a little has to make a little available, a little more storage. But the the client does the work. Um, I haven't published it yet. I've got diagrams and and text written, but I just need a little more time with it. Um, But so that's where we are with the project. We're moving forward. More people are supporting it. Um, and we're, you know, we're ticking off issues and solving problems as, as we get this thing, uh, nailed down. Any sentence that begins, I spent a couple of hours in Starbucks and created a protocol. (laughs) It's my kind of sentence. You're my kind of guy, Steve Gibson. You'll find more about Squirrel, not only at squirrel.pl, sqrl.pl, but also at grc.com. That's Steve's site. And it's a great place to go if you, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff there. Uh, of course, Spinrite, the world's best hard drive maintenance utility. You got to get that. But everything else there is free, including his uh, security forums. The discussion of Squirrel lives there. If you want a question answered by Steve, the best way to do it, not he doesn't do email, is to uh, go to the website, grc.com slash feedback. Pose the question there. We'll, I guess we'll do questions next week. Yeah. So uh, this would be a good time to leave those questions there, barring some emergency security topic. Uh, and uh, get all the free stuff. Read about password. It's just—it's becoming more and more just a great place to go for s- everything that you're interested in. Because <laughs> you're listening to this show, I figure that's a safe bet. Steve, uh, let me know about the jury duty. We'll we'll let people know. We'll put it on our calendar at twit.tv. Um, there's a calendar there of uh, our our broadcast and production schedule, and we'll update that as soon as if there is a change. Thanks to jury duty. Uh, what else? Um, you can find 16 kilobit versions of this show, the audio for bandwidth impaired, uh, or transcripts too, that Steve uh, pays to have done by the great, uh, Elaine Ferris on his site, grc.com on our site, full bandwidth audio and video, uh, each and every week on demand to TV slash S N for security now, but you can also uh, get it anywhere you get podcasts. If you subscribe, you'll get it every week automatically. And that's a nice thing to do. Make it you. Everybody should have the complete set, in my opinion. You know, looks nice on the wall. Someday, maybe we'll do DVDs. The Steve Gibson Collection. No, I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, who's on triangulation tonight? Is it Ladar Levinson? It is. No kidding. So you might be interested in cool. tuning in. Yeah, you might be interested in tuning in for triangulation. About 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern tonight. Yay. Uh, Just to remind our listeners, that is, he is the founder of LavaBit, who deliberately decided he had to pull his service down. You know, I would love it, Steve. If you wanted to join us for that, you would be more than welcome. I would if I didn't have plans this this evening, but I do. Jenny. Yep, it is Jenny. (laughs) I would never want to get between you and your loved ones. Uh, well, anyway, if you don't can't watch the show live, you can always uh, get a get a copy of the Triangulation uh, as well at Twit.tv. All Besides, you're going to do a, that way. you're you're, you're going to do a great job. Well, thanks I, to you, I I'm kind of up on this uh, subject a little bit. Yeah, I can't wait. Cool. I think that's a great uh, score to get him on. Yeah, and I'm sure there's a lot he can't say, so it's going to be a little bit of a dodging and ducking and weaving kind of a. Yeah, he may have his attorney sitting next to him. He, w- I hope he does. Yeah, for his own sake. Yeah, I don't want to entrap him by any means. And I certainly don't want the government to use what we talk about uh, on their behalf. 
So uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Steve Gibson. Uh, and thank you all for being here. We'll see you next week at some time, maybe our regularly scheduled time, which is 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 1800 UTC on Wednesdays. Almost certainly. Almost. Yeah, you're not going to get it. <laughs> Thanks, Leo. Thanks, Security.